Dog Nation, and welcome back to more postseason coverage, specifically Dog Nation Senior Bowl coverage. I'm Kelly Mansell with Connor Riley. We've had a lot of time this week to break down Senior Bowl, and we're going to get to that later with individual analysis, talking about the floor and the ceiling for the six dogs that participated in the Reese's Senior Bowl this week. But first, we have to address the breaking news that occurred yesterday, and that is, of course, that Sanford Stadium is going to allow the sale of alcohol the last of the SEC programs to do so. Connor, does this come as a surprise to you that Georgia is the last program to allow this? No, uh, you know, Georgia's always been, I think, very conservative when it comes to this and this kind of atmosphere. I think you even look at their field. Uh, you know, Georgia does not have field storings now. It helps that you have the longest home winning streak in the country and you've won multiple national championships. But even before that, uh, it's been quite some time since the last time the field was stormed. And so I think Georgia, you know, for a long time wanted to sort of wait and see how everyone else went about this and handle it. And obviously, you look at some schools, there were some things to iron out. But I think with Texas and Oklahoma, coming in you obviously have the announcement last august that they were partnering with uh, creature comforts here in athens this has sort of been in the works for a while and so with auburn announcing that they are going to start uh serving serving beer in their uh athletic uh, venues uh, it doesn't come as a surprise especially after georgia is already serving beer and seltzers in uh basketball arena and in the baseball arena as well uh this had sort of been coming uh, you know they're not going full liquor yet uh they're not going wine yet i think it's smart to sort of dip your toe in with beer and seltzer and then sort of go from there i don't expect it to change a whole lot about the atmosphere at georgia uh so much of what goes into making a saturday in athens great is done outside of sanford stadium already and so being able to purchase a few beers or so during the course of a game i don't think it's going to drastically either lick up the crowd more or make it more ravenous and more difficult to play in Sanford Stadium than it already is. As someone who spent plenty of time around tailgates, uh, participated in a few myself, you know, if them selling beer and seltzers in Sanford Stadium, and I want to make it clear, you know, it's not like you're going to be able to go up to uh to the to the register and get your favorite brand of bourbon like that that's not what this is it'll be i think maybe a little bit more traditional with what you've seen in most venues obviously maybe not to the extent that you see in mercedes-benz stadium but i do think maybe one of the things moving forward now is that now that all its 16 schools in the sec are selling alcohol for their sporting events you wonder do the maybe maybe mercedes-benz open it up uh for the sec championship game at the end of the year given this is now maybe something that the sec does feel more comfortable with but i think that's something to be discussed down the line uh look and look i'm working during games so the idea of uh, enjoying a beer in the stands is a foreign concept to me but i think you know for the fans that are there and you know wanting to enjoy a beer over the course of a Georgia win. I, I think this is a good thing for them. It's a good thing for the people at Creature Comforts uh, who work very hard to, to sort of help move the ball across the goal line here. And so wow. overall, I, I, I do think in some ways for a select group of people, this is going to make the game day experience better. Uh, you know, again, you're going to have to be 21. I imagine they're going to be pretty vigilant when it comes to looking at fake IDs and things along the lines of that. So uh, if, you, if you're if you a college student and you've got a friend who happens to be 21, you might want to lean on them pretty hard and 
many Georgia games as they can be. So I think, you know, this is ultimately – it's maybe not as big of a deal as maybe perhaps it was perceived as because yeah. so much of what, you know, makes the Sanford Stadium environment actually takes place before the game begins and happens outside of it. Well, certainly social media was excited to see it. And, Connor, I see you're going uh... – for early employee of the year with that very professional statement from you, we know you will not be consuming alcohol on game days as we have work to do. But now let's shift our attention to the Reese's Senior Bowl. I know you've had the chance to watch it on television all week. The big star, Lad McConkey, day one, really established himself. And I think that you could tell yesterday how big the hype was because he was one of five players that got to sit at the podium. But my thing is, is, what Lad did that first day of practice is what we've seen him do the last few years. We know as the Georgia media what he's capable of, and he's been doing the same thing. So why do you think now he's getting this attention and hype from the national media? You know, part of it is they don't follow Georgia as closely as I think the, the, certainly the Georgia fans do and certainly us in the media do there as well. I think back to that Mississippi State game uh, in 2022, that was really the game where, and, you know, Mississippi State, they're not an upper echelon program in the SEC. But, you know, he had the big touchdown run in that game. He made a couple, a couple of nice contested catches. And it was clear then, and maybe perhaps it always was, I mean, he had a touchdown in the SEC championship game in 2021 where he raced through an Alabama defense full of future pros. And so, Lad, you know, I think because of his name, because of his race, because of his stature, he's sort of always been overlooked or been sort of seen as like a meme. And and then he comes out at the Senior Bowl, one of, if not the premier sort of all-star games for to highlight ahead of the NFL draft. And he comes out and he's getting the best of guys that are, you know, pretty big names or guys that, you know, certainly on draft boards. I think people will pay attention a lot and actually sit down and watch him. Uh, you know, the Daniel Jeremiah's, Nate Tice's the world. They were telling you that Lad McConkey was going to be a top 50 prospect in this class. And then I think for him to go out there and show what he did uh, on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then obviously today on Thursday as well, I think only further backs that up. I think the big thing for Lad in his draft stock his tape is incredible. You know, if you want to nitpick about his stats, whatever, uh, just, just watch the Georgia games and watch what he did, especially uh, I would highlight the Missouri and the Florida games this year with what he was able to do when Brock Bowers wasn't on the field. The biggest thing for Ladd is going to be those medicals into Indianapolis. And if those come back clean and the injuries that he's had to deal with, a knee in 2022, an ankle and a back this past season, if those come back clean, uh, you know, Lad's going to be the third wide receiver taken in the second round under Kirby Smart. He has not had a wide receiver taken in the first round since he got to Georgia. And he would join George Pickens and Nicole Hardman. And both of those guys were five-star prospects coming out of high school, big-time recruiting wins. Lad McConkey was a player who's ranked the number 1,080 uh, in his 2020 signing class. So it speaks to the type of player Lad is, but also the development that he got at the University of Georgia to get to a point where he's one of the real stars of the week there down in Mobile. As I mentioned, he did get a podium spot yesterday along with the quarterbacks from the roster. And he's obviously got this tremendous story going from being basically not recruited at all to scout team to eventually a UGA star. And somebody in the media asked him that yesterday, what was it like transitioning from being a nobody to being the somebody? And I thought that Lad did a really good job of answering that question. So I want you guys to hear what Lad had to say about that yesterday. 
well, it was either, either get better or I'm just going to get locked up. And I mean, those guys are, I mean, at the time, I guess, bigger than me, um, maybe been high, more highly recruited. So, I mean, I guess I kind of went in there with a little chip on my shoulder, like I got something through. Um, that first year, I mean, I didn't play. I was on scout team, but, uh, like, it was like every day, I was like, okay, I got to do something to change this. Like, I'm not going to just sit here and watch for three, four years. Like, I want to get on the field. So, I'm just going out there every day, try to prove myself, uh, make plays, um, get in the special teams. I mean, literally do everything I can to get on the field. Connor, when I go back and listen to that statement, I think the thing that stands out to me most is at the beginning when he says at Georgia, you either get better or you get locked out. And I feel like, especially with the Orange Bowl this past season, this conversation around the culture that that's been built at UGA by Kirby Smart and how they are able to develop players to be able to go to the next level. Do you think that get better or get locked out is part of that culture that people have been talking about recently? Yeah, I, I think part of it is you have to know that you have to come in and work. And, and that, I think, certainly worked in Lad's benefit. Uh, it, you know, everything in, in this system is earned. And, and look, you know, Georgia, maybe with the exception of the wide receiver position, recruits elite players every single year. And so you can't just have one good year and then expect to just sort of rest on your laurels. Uh, you know, if, if you're C.J. Allen, you know you're going to have to keep getting better. Otherwise, you know, Georgia's going to bring in Justin Williams in the class behind you. And they're going to do that regardless of, of whether you're getting better or you're getting locked out. And so I think, you know, Georgia is now at the point where the hard part is done, you know, the building of the foundation, getting over that hump, winning that national championship, putting guys in the draft every year, you know, part of what made what Alabama was able to do in terms of under Nick Saban winning so many national championships was once they got that thing started, it's really difficult for it to stop just because of all the forward momentum you have with your program. So in recruiting big time players and even developing guys like Vlad McConkey winning in college and then turning those guys into draft picks like Vlad, like Javon Bullard, Marcus Roseby, Jack Saint, uh, who are down there in Mobile, that's going to attract the next wave of recruits to see that these guys came in one got developed and turned into NFL draft prospects, that sort of just completes the loop for itself. And once you're on that, you know, you have to intentionally, uh, you know, start missing some check marks to mess that up. So, Connor, as someone who follows the NFL just about as much as they follow college football, where would you like to see Ladd end up? Yeah, I think, you know, there have been some people talking first round. I don't know how realistic that is, especially with – uh, the wide receiver talent this year. It's a very deep wide receiver class for Georgia. Uh, I think you look at teams maybe that have a clear number one receiver, but could then have bring in a guy like Ladd to sort of help out there. You know, maybe the Minnesota Vikings make sense, although Jordan Addison last year was a good player for them. Uh, a team desperate for any sort of weapons and help for Bryce Young. I think Carolina is a team to watch there in the second round. New England, especially if they go quarterback at the top of the first round, I, I think that's a team that's going to be looking for wide receiver help, maybe even in and, you know, we'll see what they end up doing. I think the Atlanta Falcons, with what they have on offense and the personal they have, look, they've invested a lot uh, in those premium skill players, but they don't quite have a player like Lad McConkey who can operate out of the slot and really dominate in the middle of the field. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if in the second round Atlanta makes a decision to try and add in Lad McConkey, assuming they go a defensive player in the first round there. So last thing on Lad, we've heard a lot of comparisons this past week to lad to other players we've heard hunter renfro we've heard cooper cup other than those guys who is somebody that you think lad is comparable to yeah i, I think the cooper cup one is tough because cooper cup is six two uh he, yeah. he's got really great size and, and look no disrespect to hunter renfro uh 
Lad McConkey moves a lot better than Hunter Renfro does. Uh, I, I think the two that maybe come to mind, uh, Doug Baldwin from the Seattle Seahawks, longtime NFL player out of Stanford, tough physical, not super big, but was a guy that was a key player on those championship teams for Seattle in the mid 2000s. And, and then again, I hate to do this because it, you know, it, it's so easy, but there are some similarities in my mind to Julian Edelman in terms mm-hmm. of what he and Ladder are able to do and his ability to go over the middle to make tough catches, but also be used in a variety of different ways. I know everyone sort of lumps in Wes Welker, Danny Amendola, Julian Edelman all together because they were great Patriot receivers in the 2010s, but I think Edelman in particular with what he's a, what he was able to do for New England, I think there are some similarities there with Ladd in terms of the versatility. So I want to shift our attention to the other UGA wide receiver that was at the Senior Bowl, and that's Marcus Rosany Jack State. Somebody that surprised me this week, not just on the field, but off the field as well. I was able to have some one-on-one time with him yesterday, and I cannot applaud him enough for how well-spoken he was and the answers that he gave me to specific questions. Uh, it was really genuine, but I have to say that his on-field skills not only impressed me, but the national media as well. An ESPN analyst yesterday said that his ability to snatch the ball out of the air was among the most impressive of any receiver I saw Tuesday. And I think I know exactly what he was talking about. There was a ball in warm-ups. It was probably the only video clip that I missed where Marcus just goes up and grabs a one-handed catch like it was absolutely nothing and keeps walking. And I think me and that person might have been the only one to see it because if that was like a lag catch, you would have heard the oohs and the ahs. But for somebody like Marcus, do you think that he's a potential player that could be even better at the NFL level than he was at the collegiate level? Yeah, I, I think what Marcus does really well translates maybe perhaps better to the NFL game than it does in the Georgia offense like Georgia you know they want to have a wealth of options not lean too much on one guy and that I think in some regards hurt Marcus's numbers in terms of what he may have been able to do but the plays are there in the tape uh, you think the the touchdown catch against 20 against Tennessee in the 2022 game uh, this is a guy that plays on all special teams for Georgia makes a ton of big plays for them physical blocker key leader was a team captain on this team last season as you saw and, and heard from him uh, just a, a very thoughtful uh, individual there who, who's battled some adversity in his life, you know, going and dealing with homelessness as a high schooler. I would encourage you to check out Sarah Spencer's feature on the AJC YouTube page that she did on Marcus. Uh, I, I think with with Marcus, like, look, he's not going to be a top 100 pick. He's going to be waiting till day three. But I think with what we've seen from him this week in Mobile and, and his time and the way that he worked as sort of a professional at Georgia, he's going to be a guy that maybe goes fifth or sixth round, maybe even the seventh round. But like we saw last year with Kyrus Jackson making the Titans as an undrafted free agent, I think Marcus is going to be able to come in and help a team, not just as a um, as a guy that helps on special teams, but a guy that eventually I think maybe can earn a role as a wide receiver on the offense. You think of a guy like Juwan Jennings for the San Francisco 49ers. Obviously, they have a lot of big stars in that team. Jennings is a guy who, after a, a strong performance in Mobile, has carved out a real role for the 49ers in that offense. Jennings, obviously, a little bit bigger than Marcus Rosemary Jack Saint, but it wouldn't surprise me if Marcus follows maybe a similar track like that. And, you know, Jennings is potentially trying to win a Super Bowl uh, for the 49ers coming up. And so I think Marcus, a winning player, you know, maybe not flashy. He's not someone you're going to be celebrating when your team drafts him uh, in, in April. But a guy that is absolutely going to help and make your football team better. So when you look at his skill set, what do you consider to be his greatest strengths that could ultimately help him contribute to an NFL team? 
Yeah, I think he's going to be able to handle the physicality that comes with the NFL. Uh, you look at his strength. Obviously, he's a plus blocker, and I think that's going to help him get on the field, especially you think in like Sean McVay type uh, offenses, and you've seen so many of those uh, take over sort of the coaching ranks. I, I think his ability to work in that factor is obviously going to be a plus. He can win in tight spaces. Now, he may not open up a lot of separation, but he's got very strong hands. You mentioned his ability to pluck the ball out of the air earlier. I think those aspects of the game – you know, he can make the contested catch over the middle of the field. We saw him do that time and time again at Georgia. Uh, he may not exactly be a big play wide receiver, but he can be someone that wins in tight coverages, wins on key downs, and is able to be, you know, as both a run blocker and a potential pass catcher. He can be someone that is on the field for all three downs, helping your offense. I think it's interesting that you mentioned the physicality aspect of it, because when I had the chance to talk to Marcus yesterday, I asked him, what is it that you love about football? And without hesitation, the first thing that he said was, I love contact. I love being able to go out and hit someone. And when you have that mentality, I agree that it's going to be a huge factor in his ultimate NFL career. And we wish him the best of luck. And you can see that full interview on the Dog Nation YouTube. Now let's go ahead and move to the defensive side of the ball. Javon Bullard, Mike and I discussed it yesterday. We didn't feel like Javon had the best performance all around, but then again, they weren't in full pads. They couldn't have that contact, and I really feel like Javon's strength is his ability to hit people. So for a guy like Javon, who potentially could have come back but decided to declare instead, what's the ceiling and the floor for Javon? I think the ceiling and so much of this for Javon is going to be answered with how he tests in Indianapolis because he's not a great athlete, but if he's able to hit – certain thresholds i think you look at his play on tape and what he's able to do there's maybe some some wondering if he can go out and play a sort of slot cornerback and i think if he's able to do that that's going to help his value because obviously we saw him in 2022 play that star position for georgia but a, a slot defender for georgia and at the college ranks in my mind is very different from what a slot cornerback is tasked to do at the nfl level you know in college a lot of those guys playing that star sort of nickel role are, are extra run defenders and that's where their strength that's why you saw, I think, Javon have such success there and Tyke Smith as well. At the NFL level, they're not necessarily asking you to come up and stuff in the run because they're just bigger bodies at both the second level and on the defensive line. You're going to be asked to cover guys like Puka Nakua, uh, Justin Jefferson. Uh, you see so many teams are, are lining guys up in the slot, Debo Samuel, uh, who are just tough covers. And so your ability to cover is going to be really tested there. I, I think if, if Javon, and we'll find out if he was able to do so this week, is able to show that he can both play sort of off-the-box safety or sort of in that you know star nickel role, I think that's going to be huge for him. Could he go uh, day two, maybe a, a, a late second round, early third round pick? Yeah. Would it surprise me if he slips to maybe the fifth round like we saw Chris Smith do last season? It wouldn't. Uh, you know, Javon did have a, a, an off-field arrest during his time in college, but I think from a health standpoint, has a much cleaner build than Chris Smith did. And so it'll be interesting to see in Indianapolis how he, how he tests out, because I think that more so than maybe what he did in the Senior Bowl this week, which isn't, as you point out, a perfect setting for him in his game. Uh, I think is going to answer a lot more questions. So, Connor, earlier today at practice, we got the chance to look at the leaderboards and the stats from the last two days. And out of all the DBs, Javon Bullard had the second quickest speed time. So when he goes to the combine in Indianapolis, if he tests well in that category, could that potentially help improve his draft? I think for him, it matters a lot, especially because he's not the biggest guy in the world. And so what a strong 40 time, and not just a 40 time, but a short shuttle, uh, as well there are going to measure change
change of direction and ability to recover. You think if you're a defensive back, uh, if you're a safety in particular, if one of your corners gets beat, you've got to track him down to make sure no one gets behind you. I think a great play that demonstrates, you know, his long range speed. You think of that old miss game when they were able to bait Jackson dart into an interception, Javon able to cover a ton of ground, make a play deep downfield and come down sort of for the spinning interception that's shown up on tape. And if the times match up with that tape, that's going to be really, really big for a guy like Javon who does have some questions about what maybe his athleticism is going to be. But from a tape and an on field standpoint, I, I think he is someone who is a better football player than he is a perhaps tester at the NFL combine. Now moving on to the other defensive player that was at the senior bowl, Tyke Smith. And I thought that Tyke out of everyone other than Ladd was probably the most consistent performer that we saw. I thought his one-on-one coverage looked great. I thought his fundamentals and his footwork really showed out. And when I asked Tyke what he was ultimately there to prove, he said, I want to show how versatile I am. Do you think that Tyke is a guy that has enough versatility to be able to improve his draft stock, not just through the senior bowl, but through the combine as well? Yeah, that's a great answer from Tyke because I think in his time at Georgia, he was maybe perhaps pigeonholed a little bit and was playing that star role because you do have guys like Malachi Starks and Javon Bullard at that safety. And he found a way to make an impact for Georgia at star this past season. Four interceptions, a team high there forcing fumbles, making tackles, big hits in the run game. And so with him coming down to Mobile, it's going to allow NFL teams to see, okay, we know what he can do is sort of that star, you know, at the NFL level and probably be like a third down money backer level defender. Can he actually play that safety spot? You saw him do it a little bit at West Virginia his freshman year, but that was a torn ACL and, and many years ago. So I think for him to get a chance to go out there and show that and a guy that can possibly do more things than he was shown in college, I think is really big. One of the things to keep in mind with the NFL draft just because someone doesn't do something or can't or shows they can't do something on tape doesn't in fact mean that they can't do that. It just means that Georgia or, or whichever school they went to didn't actively ask them to do that. We've seen guys plenty of times go on to be better NFL players than college players. And while Tyke Smith was obviously a very good player, all SEC level, level defender for Georgia this year, uh, he's a guy that I think may be able to do a little bit more for an NFL team than perhaps he was asked to do for Georgia. Is there any program or defensive scheme in particular that you think Ty Key would be a good fit for? You know, I, I think everyone nowadays plays the same base defense, four two five nickel. And so, uh, you know, again, I don't necessarily know if he has the athleticism to play a true slot cornerback position. So you're probably moving him into an in-the-box safety. Uh, I, I think he's certainly a guy that, you know, maybe not always be out there in, in obvious passing situations, but in early rundowns, obvious run against run physical teams, I think his game and his ability matches up a little bit better there. All right, so I'm saving your favorite player for last. Got the chance to see Dejon Edwards this week. Didn't get as many reps as I hoped he would, but there were a lot of good running backs there, and we also didn't get the chance to talk to him at media availability yesterday. But, Connor, is Dejon a guy that has the potential to get drafted at all, or is he looking more like a free agent kind of a guy? Yeah, running back's an interesting position. Uh, Dejan was a late add to the senior bowl. I think the fact that he went down there, I think is going to help him, uh, you know, at least give teams a chance to see him. He's maybe a better pass catcher than he gets credit for. And I absolutely think he's got a role uh, at the NFL level. He's a guy that can run between the tackles on early downs, can take a beating. You saw him do that at Georgia. Not an explosive runner, not a big play guy, but can absolutely be a piece on offense along with helping out on special teams. So I think for Dejan just to get down there and get in front of teams, I think was big for him. 
And, and so, you know, look, at running back, it, it, when it comes to guys in the NFL draft, it, it's a position that has really, unfortunately, been devalued in recent years, especially at the top of the draft. Now, last year, you see B. John Robinson, Jameer Gibbs go in the first round. I don't expect there to be a first-round running back this year, but I think you've seen, you know, you look at the Kansas City Chiefs playing the Super Bowl, Super Bowl Isaiah Pacheco, a guy whose game, quite frankly, is not all that dissimilar from Dejan Edwards. I think you've seen teams find running backs either as undrafted free agents or late round guys come in and be effective. And it would absolutely not surprise me in the slightest if Dejon Edwards is maybe potentially able to go on and do the same thing as NFL crew. Anyone who watched him at Georgia, except for maybe those that don't like South Georgia players, uh, I saw that he was a great who? player and who? someone who is able to uh, make contributions to winning teams. So as we begin to wrap up, I do want to ask, you had the chance to watch the Senior Bowl and its practices on television. Were there any key takeaways that you had that maybe we didn't get the chance to discuss today? Yeah, you know, I one of the things to keep in mind with Senior Bowl, I think especially as the week goes on, this airs on Thursday, obviously, uh, a lot of guys, what they do is they go out and practice for the first two days, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then maybe by Thursday, they realize they've done what they needed to do. You see a lot of guys, uh, Leitu Latu from UCLA, uh, Jackson Powers Johnson, the center from Oregon. Uh, a couple of these guys, Roman Wilson, the wide receiver from Michigan, Ricky Persall, the wide receiver from Florida. A lot of these guys, they practice those first two days and feel they've gone out and done what they needed to. I do find it interesting that all the Georgia guys elected to go through and play today. Even a guy like Ladd, who obviously was dealing with an ankle injury at the end of the season, uh, and went out there and wanted to go out and show and put more effort in for teams to have tape available on them. I think it speaks to what Georgia is putting out and what Georgia is encouraging. And that doesn't just stick with them when they're players at Georgia, but I think that work ethic continues when they move on to the NFL. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point you make. One thing I asked all the players this week was, how do you help feel that Georgia prepared you for the next level? And three of the guys said it's the structure that Kirby Smart has built, the respect that you have to have for authority and just the structure within the program. And I think that ties back in with that. We weren't really expecting to see Ladd after the first day with the way that he performed. He didn't really necessarily have to go out there for day two and three. So I'm glad that you point that out. But as always, we're going to end on something a little bit light today because we didn't get to do any fun questions. So in light of it being the Reese's Senior Bowl, I have to admit I'm pretty disappointed I didn't get to eat a single Reese's all week. I thought I was going to be, like, showered in them, um, but that wasn't the case. So, Connor, what is the elite candy? Oh, uh, Sour Patch Kids are my number one choice. Uh, don't – come on. See, that's just – It kind of makes sense because sometimes it's, like, first you're sour and then you're sweet, Connor. So I feel like that really goes hand-in-hand hand with your brand. I'm just someone who enjoys a good sour candy. I, I, if I have to go with chocolate candy, I will go Kit Kat there as well. Yeah, I think chocolate candy, I would go Kit Kat, but I'm like you. I like sour candy. I really like Airhead Extreme, so uh, I'm going to go that route. And then I know we still have a little bit of time, but I want to go ahead and get your takeaway now on who's going to win the Super Bowl, Connor. Um, oh Boy, I'm not a fan of the Kansas City, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, and before anyone makes some wild assumptions, it actually like I, Patrick Mahomes is so great that I just I, I find him a little bit boring, and he's not all that fun to watch. Uh, I'm actually like you know, I as we know, I am a full blown Swifty. Like I'm kind of excited to see that Taylor's going to be there. I'm not at all bothered by it. Uh, you know, as a Gronk diehard defender, uh, you know, I, I would really like it if the 49ers won this game. So no one uh, has the audacity to say that Travis Kelsey is the greatest tight end of all time, because while he's statistically, you know, uh, I think won the argument, 
uh, as someone with eyes, you can't tell me he was better than Gronk. And Gronk has the Super Bowl argument right now. And, and look, I, I think this 49er team, I think Kyle Shanahan's a great coach. I think they do things for the most part the right way. You look at the players they have, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Debo Samuel. Uh, they also have more Georgia Bulldogs than the Kansas City Chiefs do. So I, while I think the Chiefs are probably going to find a way to win this game because that's just sort of the resiliency they've showed all year, I will be rooting for the San Francisco 49ers to win. And I also hope that uh, if the Chiefs do win, Travis Kelsey does not propose after the game because there is nothing more tacky in my mind than proposing at a sporting event. As a woman, I don't think I would want to share my engagement day with the same day as a Super Bowl championship because then the attention is no longer on me anymore. So I see where you're coming from. I feel like that would – it's like getting proposed to on a holiday. In my yeah. mind, that's a big no-no. Yeah, like like Taylor Swift deserves better than that. She deserves like her own private moment. It doesn't need to be after you've just won your third Super Bowl. Yeah, when no. like she's not so like when tensions are high. Like I, you're probably riding on a high at that point. So I really yeah. hope that that's not the case. Also, yeah. Who do you want to win the Super Bowl? I'm very indifferent towards the NFL. Um, I mean. Probably the 49ers. I like the story that Brock Purdy has going from Mr. Irrelevant to probably one of the most relevant people in the league. And too, like you mentioned, Patrick Mahomes can be boring to watch just because of the success that they've had in the past. Now, obviously, I'd like to see, you know, my girl Taylor happy, but I think I would rather watch her win a few Grammys than watch Travis Kelsey win another Super Bowl. Fair enough. That's just how I feel. I don't really have an NFL team, but I'll, I'll still watch. So uh, last thing, uh, while we're talking about the Chiefs, the Justin Tucker, Pat Mahomes, Travis Kelsey situation, what are your thoughts before we head out, Connor? Just a couple of goats, you know. There's a reason they're the best at what they do. Uh, you know, Patrick has his routines. Justin Tucker has his routines. Travis Kelsey is just defending his guy. Uh, it, it's all much ado about nothing. I don't think it was all that serious and made out to what it will be. I guess that's what social media does to things. But with that, we will wrap up our Reese's Senior Bowl coverage. Mike Griffith and I are going to do a live show on Saturday after the game. So make sure to check that out. Check out all of our YouTube videos from this week. And I know Mike has put up some great articles and individual analysis on other players. And then, of course, make sure to check out Connor in coverage on Sunday. Connor, thank you for joining me. Dog Nation, thank you for joining me. We will be right back here next Thursday. So make sure to check us out on the pages of dognation.com.